No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see that following the dedication of the temple, the Lord appears to Solomon a second time, promising blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in 1 Kings chapter 9 on Simply the Bible. When God speaks to us, it's usually because there's something we need to know, and we are wise to listen to his voice. Today we see where God spoke to Solomon a second time in his life. We continue in 1 Kings chapter 9. And it came to pass when Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord and the king's house and all Solomon's desire, which he wanted to do, that the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time as he had appeared to him at Gibeon. So the Lord had appeared to Solomon right after he became king. And you'll recall he asked Solomon to ask for whatever he wanted. And Solomon said, I want an understanding heart, really literally a hearing heart so that I could govern your people well. And God said, you know what? I will give you wisdom that you've asked for, uh, but I will also give you wealth and fame. And of course, God made good on his promise. And now it's at least 11 years later. The temple has been built. Solomon has dedicated it. He prayed to the Lord over the temple. And now God speaks to him again, really in response to Solomon's prayer. And, you know, we sometimes think that God was always speaking to the patriarchs, but there could be long periods of time between when God would speak to them and then speak to them again. And what we see is that God really controls this uh, when he's going to speak to somebody. And what's important is that we are listening when he does choose to speak to us. And the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your supplication that you've made before me. I have consecrated this house which you have built to put my name there forever and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. Now in Solomon's prayer, he asked that God would always keep his eyes open to the temple he would always keep his ears open to hear any prayers coming from that temple. And that if the people did wrong and God sent a famine or some other source of judgment, that if they uh, repented, they confessed their sins, that God would hear and forgive them. And so God says, I've heard your prayer and, and I will do this. I will consecrate this house. I will make it uh, the place where I put my name forever. We also see more of the details of this response to Solomon in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses 12 through 22. And that's an interesting read because God really answers many of the prayers that Solomon had prayed. It's also where we get 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now this, of course, was spoken specifically of Israel and the temple. And if they would humble themselves, God would listen to them and forgive them and heal their land. And, 
And uh, we see ultimately would bring them back into the land after he had deported them from the land, you see. But does that apply to us today? Uh, as we see a, a need for God to restore our land, does God still honor this uh, word that he gave to Solomon? I, I believe he does because it so uh, manifests the character of God when people who are his people confess their sins, humble themselves, seek to turn from their sins, seek to seek God, seek to renew the covenant, that God is always listening to that prayer and seeking to forgive and restore because he's a forgiving God. Verse 4, Now if you walk before me as your father David walked, in integrity of heart and in uprightness, to do according to all that I have commanded you, and if you keep my statutes and my judgments, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel forever, as I promised David, your father, saying, you shall not fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. Now, this is a conditional promise the Lord is making to Solomon that he needed to walk before him as David, uh, his father, walked in integrity of heart and in uprightness. We know the Lord chose David because he was a man after God's own heart. He saw that there was integrity in his heart. And the thing about David was he certainly was not perfect. But it's interesting that God doesn't even mention David's sin here. He just simply says that he had integrity of heart and uprightness. And I love that. I love the fact that God forgave David's sin and remembered it no more. Of course, this were what we are told in Hebrews that God does. I will forgive their sin and remember it no more. Aren't you glad that when we confess our sins, he does that? And the Bible says he separates our sins as far as the east is from the west. But the charge here to Solomon that he needed to walk as David did in integrity of heart. David was the standard from then on for every single king that would come along. And they were compared to David. They did not do uh, right in the eyes of the Lord as David did, or they did do right in the eyes of the Lord as their father David did. He was the standard because his heart was after God. And that's good news for us, honestly, because uh, we may fail in our actions sometimes, but the Lord considers the intention of our heart even as he did with David. Now, Solomon would have to walk in the integrity of his heart. It wasn't enough just that he was the son of David and that the promise had come to Solomon, but he would also have to walk in uprightness himself if he wanted the blessings that God had brought to David. But if you or your sons at all turn from following me and do not keep my commandments and my statutes, which I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land which I have given them, and this house, which I have consecrated for my name, I will cast out of my sight. Israel will be a proverb and a byword among all peoples. And as for this house, which is exalted, everyone who passes by it will be astonished and will hiss and say, Why has the Lord done thus to this land and to this house? Then they will answer, because they forsook the Lord their God who brought their fathers out of the land of Egypt and have embraced other gods 
and worshipped them and served them. Therefore, the Lord has brought all this calamity on them. So, God gives Solomon a very stern warning that if you or your sons turn away from following me and don't keep my commandments, then I'm going to cut Israel off from this land and this house that I've consecrated for my name, I will cast out of my sight. And the people that come by and see the desolation will say, whoa, what's happened here? You know, And they'll say, well, God did it because they forsook the Lord and they worshiped other gods and therefore God drove them out of the land. And the sad thing was, is that this is exactly what would happen. And it would begin with Solomon. Solomon would forsake the Lord. We will see that his foreign marriages would cause him to go after foreign gods and forsake the Lord and begin to practice idolatry. So it would happen even in his life. And of course, it would happen even worse with his uh, descendants to the point where God ultimately would have to drive the people out of the land into Babylonian captivity. The the temple uh, that Solomon built would be destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar. And we see later that it would be rebuilt by the exiles coming out of Babylon, but then it would be destroyed again. Herod's temple would be destroyed in 70 AD. And so even today you go to Israel and you see that there on the Temple Mount, where Solomon's temple once existed is now the Dome of the Rock, a Muslim holy site. And if you're a Jew, you can't even uh, go there uh, and sing and pray or do any kind of religious display. They can visit it as a tourist, but they can't do any sort of religious activity there on the Temple Mount. Again, just evidence that they departed from the Lord and thus God brought about the words that he said here to Solomon. Now, it happened at the end of 20 years when Solomon had built the two houses, the house of the Lord and the king's house. Hiram, the king of Tyre, had supplied Solomon with cedar and cypress and gold as much as he desired. The king Solomon then gave Hiram 20 cities in the land of Galilee. Then Hiram went from Tyre to see the cities which Solomon had given him, but they did not please him. So he said, What kind of cities are these which you have given me, my brother? And he called them the land of Cabal, as they are to this day. Then Hiram sent the king 120 talents of gold. Now, in the initial agreement that Solomon made with Hiram, Hiram would send timber and workers if Solomon would pay the workers and provide Hiram with food. And this was how the temple was built and many of the buildings that Solomon built. But later on, we see that Hiram also supplied Solomon with 120 talents of gold, and that's about four and a half tons. Now, why did Solomon need to borrow money, basically, to get more gold? Uh, The temple was already built, uh, but Solomon had other building projects, and he made battle shields of gold. And so it seems that Solomon gave Hiram these cities in Galilee in exchange for the gold, and Hiram didn't like them. He called them cable, which means good for nothing. And it brings up the question whether Solomon really was doing the right thing anyway in giving these cities away to Hiram and exchanging them for gold. Because God, in his law, allowed the people to sell their family inheritance, but it was always to revert to them in the year of Jubilee. And in this way, uh, the land would never permanently exchange hands. 
So the fact that Hiram didn't like them may have been of the Lord. Later, we see that Solomon would fortify these cities, and we assume Solomon found some other way to pay Hiram back. And this is the reason for the labor force which King Solomon raised to build the house of the Lord, his own house, the Milo, the wall of Jerusalem, Hazor, Megiddo, and Gezer. Pharaoh, king of Egypt, had gone up and taken Gezer and burned it with fire and killed the Canaanites who dwelt in the city and had given it as a dowry to his daughter, Solomon's wife. And Solomon built Gezer, Lower Beth Horon, Baalath, and Tadmar in the wilderness in the land of Judah, all the storage cities that Solomon had, cities for his chariots and cities for his cavalry, and whatever Solomon desired to build in Jerusalem, in Lebanon, and in all the land of his dominion. So the Milo was a wall on the north side of Jerusalem. It means fill. And uh, it's believed that Solomon fortified this to provide better protection for the vulnerable north side of Jerusalem. And Megiddo was a mount overlooking the Jezreel Valley, which is a strategic thoroughfare for kings coming from west to east or east to west. Many historical battles being fought there. Actually, it will be the site of the Battle of Armageddon. But uh, Solomon fortified Megiddo as a, a place where he built a store city for his horses and chariots. How is God speaking to you today? The one who searches hearts knows us better than we know ourselves. He will speak to us if we will listen. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Tomorrow, we'll see where the Queen of Sheba visits Solomon to test him. And she is so overwhelmed by what she sees that she praises Solomon and the Lord. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of 1 Kings on Simply the Bible. Simply the Bible.